Welcome to Be a Refuge, a podcast from the Refuge community. Join your hosts, Kathy Escobar, and me, Joe Douglas, as we share stories and interview friends about the wild and wonderful community life that is the Refuge. We're always learning, unlearning, dreaming, failing, and practicing together. Pull up a chair and grab a coffee. We're glad you're here. There's always room at the table. Welcome back to Be a Refuge. I'm Kathy Escobar. I'm here with my friend Joe Douglas and Mary Rader today. We're on the final, like this is the last guest episode before this end of this season. Um, Our last episode will just be a little look back at all the amazing things that we talked about um, over this first season. Um, But I just want to name today that this is actually um, the first time that we redid an episode. And um, on the whole, you all know this, we just kind of wing it. Mostly winging it. (laughs) Mostly winging it. I mean, literally, Joe and I do not make a big plan. We don't send people a bunch of questions. I mean, we do a few little small framing things to just give some context, but we really kind of just turn on record and have a conversation. And um, so Mary Jo and I were together last week to record a conversation about the 12 steps for anti-racism group um, that Mary facilitates and we're so grateful for and so much happens there. Um, But it just didn't feel right. We did not name some important dynamics about it. Two white women in this group, our dear friend Joe, Um, and not really thinking through some of the um, energy in the room. And we just didn't name it. And so we talked about it afterwards and it was hard. And I said, I'm sitting here with my little water bottle. This is a Jared quote, my son, Jared. And he said, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I hate being uncomfortable. (laughs) It sucks. But it's interesting that out of all of our episodes, we've actually never had this thing. And it makes sense that it would land in the, the space of anti-racism work and being uncomfortable. So just want to say that out loud as we start today. Yeah. And it, it really caught me off guard. Like we were just, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, recording like every episode, Kathy and I are just like chatting with our friends and learning new things and asking questions. And so, and I even like prepped with Mary on her side of things. I'm like, how can we, you know, help support you in this conversation? And I like was not on my radar at all that like, maybe I should think through if this might be hard for me having a conversation as a person of color. And, and we were in the middle of it and it was like, oh, this is, this is, I feel awkward and I don't know what to say. And I like, what should I say? And you know, at that point, I probably should have stopped the recording and been like, okay, can we talk about this? But instead we just, I just plowed through and, and then afterwards was like, this is, this isn't right. Like we need to, we need to redo this. We need to like honor that this is hard and these conversations are hard and just model doing it honestly and doing it in a little bit better of a way that just honors, um, the reality of the complication uh, of this and just being real about it together so we're like let's do a redo <laughs> and so we're we're giving that a shot yeah and Mary I just want to name you know a little bit and you express this when we got together last week was just like feeling a little nervous about 
doing a podcast and, you know, sharing and some of those things. And then this kind of emerged. And so just wanted to kind of check in with you as we start um, today and um, just where you're at on everything. Well, this is a great example of what we're inviting you to participate in, in 12 step work, because it's super fun (laughs) and super light and never awkward. So exactly. (laughs) um, I'm being facetious. So yeah, it's, um, plus I've never done a podcast before. So I, I um, bring my whole awkward, authentic self to this space and um, yeah, it's, it is awkward and there's like who, Kathy, you do this all the time, but conversations about grief, like you don't have a whole lot of people show up saying, Ooh, I want to sign up for that program. So that is probably, um, similar to how weird this this group is but it's also a learning opportunity and that's that's the um that's the coolest thing about doing 12-step work you usually do it behind closed doors and nothing is recorded it's highly confidential you can um it's just really humbling and not pretty and you do it and um that that hidden internal work is important and it impacts how we show up in the world and there is no um end game of perfection the end game is just loving each other and being messy together and supportive together and um naming the awkwardness. So that's my, that's where I'm at in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to share a little bit about how the 12 step group started at the refuge and, and what you just said also reminded me of um, the fella who kind of started it. He says equity is a practice, right? Isn't that one of his like, yeah, catchphrases. (laughs) It it shows up on a t-shirt and (laughs) it, I often speak in bumper stickers, so there's that. But um, Melvin Bray has is a black man in Atlanta. I, I'm and I shouldn't even be the one saying this because he and Kathy have known each other for a long time. My entree was in the, I think it was like in September or October of 2020. Um, he did a Zoom workshop for the refuge and I tuned in and for me it was the first time I had really I mean it was there was just so much momentum in the public space about books that we're reading and Ibram X. Kindi had just put out or at least I had just become aware of anti-racism I had never heard that word before Um, and so the conversation was gaining momentum And Melvin talked about the difference between intent and impact. And that's a, that's a part of many conversations, but I had never heard it really before, or at least it hadn't landed in conversations about um, 
anti-racism work and differentiating between individual racism and um, systemic racism. And so I really appreciated that. And he introduced the structure that he has created um, where a 12-step model is applied to undoing the tangle of systemic racism, supremacies, all the different supremacies. And um, it really resonated with me because I'm a 12-stepper in another part of my life that has been really powerful. And um, so we, um, I think Kathy kind of had an idea of like, hey, why don't we try this and just experiment with what it would be like to hold a space kind of like a regular 12-step meeting with this focus and using this framework. And um, so that was kind of how it started. Okay. And then, and Tim was involved, right? Or Sage? Oh, Tim. thank you. Yeah, sorry. So Sage Armos at The Refuge had introduced um, the adult children of manifest destiny work. And I just thought that was brilliant too. And I never thought about actually reckoning with it in the space of a meeting, but similar to how um, a person that grows up in an alcoholic family, for example, has inherited a set of beliefs that they were born into that are really dysfunctional and how to undo those. And so inheriting this, um, our, our systemic racist culture and all of these weirdly constructed notions has, has been really dysfunctional. And so applying that in a recovery model really made sense to me too. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, and that was really fun because at the beginning of the group, um, they were just practicing with their adult children of Manifest Destiny material, um, Tim and Alita. And so for the first few months, we used both Melvin Steps, which I think would be really good to read in a minute, um, and then the adult children of Manifest Destiny. And then they were still working on it and pulled that out and um, continued the work and actually just published it into a workbook that is available at acmdonline.com. And that might be something fun for next round of Be a Refuge for people to hear more about that project and where it's really um, landed in the Native American space and what they've been doing in Broomfield and the wider community. Um, but we started then just really, and thank you to Mary, thank you, because you you are the convener of us. And this group meets every other Monday night on Zoom since then. Um, uh, and we have people from all over the place, uh, which is fun. That's the fun part about Zoom. I just want to say it really helped us. And that was a negative from COVID. We were like, why do we have to meet on Zoom? And then now we realize that it actually has helped us make things more accessible to some people. And that's really a gift. I think we have maybe four, four states represented um, in the group. And so let's read the 12 steps because they're really good. And some of them are um, 
a little more wordy than the regular um, traditional 12 steps, but they're just packed with a framework of a path to unlearning, Melvin says, unlearn inequity. Mm -hmm. And that this is a practice and us practicing together this way is part of practicing, naming things and showing back up and that kind of a thing. So um, uh, the big goal is to try and embody something different. So what if maybe we just read them and so that people for the first time, some can hear them. Mary, do you want to start? Maybe read the first half and I'll read the second half. And then there's this little adaptation that I think will be really good for everyone to hear. Um, And I'm going to read just, there's a little sentence that Melvin has put um, introducing the 12 steps before he starts the steps that says, unlearn inequity, accountability circles, allow us to practice staying focused over time. Accountability circles are for persons committed to detoxing from the supremacist logics and systems of inequity to which we have been socially addicted. We use the sharing of stories and images, experiences and art, reflection, resonance, and feedback to cultivate the strength of relationship that can challenge one another to do better, not just to think, feel, and talk better. So the first three steps are in the category of critical analysis. Before you start real quick, I just want to say this is one of the things we didn't do well last time was like we just we split them up between the three of us and forgot that like halfway through there's three steps that are for the historically privileged. And so I was like reading those and then it was weird and we were like in the middle of it. And so this is why Mary and Kathy are going to read this first set. And then I'm going to read, and there's another set that are for historically marginalized of step seven, eight, and nine. So Kathy and, and Mary are going to read through one to 12. And then afterwards, I'm going to add the historically marginalized ones. So if you wonder why I'm not participating in the read through at this point, that is why. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Step one. We admit that supremacist logic in sundry forms has been core to Western culture as a whole, as well as the development of our own particular nation, society, community, and sense of self. And whereas we are powerless to control the people and the circumstances into which we are born and the ways they have shaped us, we do have power to change its persistently inequitable outcomes. Step two. We realize we can't make the journey to better by ourselves. It will require strength beyond just our own. Step three, we routinely ask our evolving community, professional support and or God as we understand God for help in learning to seek the good of others in cooperation with them. Then steps four, five and six are in the category of self-awareness. Step four, we give unflinching moral accountability of our specific relationship to power and privilege and how they have been used to advantage or disadvantage ourselves or others. Step five, we admit to ourselves, to God as we understand God, and to other human beings the exact nature of our wrongdoings, not just our thinking and feelings about the subject in general. And step six, we begin the work of transforming our shortcomings of allegiance, behavior, and character. 
which were previously shaped by our social addiction to wanting to be on top. So I'll pick up on the cultural competence section that these are for the historically privileged. Um, and so this is on the whole what we read at the group because the majority of the group are white people trying mm -hmm. to find our way better. And so, and this is a piece of the complication that we're naming. And so, um, but uh, for the sake of um, this moment, this is where we um, read these every week that we're together. Uh, step seven is for the historically privileged, we work to evolve our shortcomings while holding ourselves accountable for growth to those we often negatively impact and while learning how to relate equitably across social identities. Step eight, we make a list of persons who identify differently than us whom we have harmed materially, economically, physically, psychologically, spiritually, are in a position of power or privilege to harm or are in a position to aid in overcoming or removing structural impediments to equity, and we become willing to make amends or be of assistance to them all. Step nine, we make direct amends to those we harm wherever possible. The only exception being when to do so would somehow injure those involved, and we give material aid to remove when possible, or if not to overcome structural impediments wherever identified. And then the last three are better practices, which Melvin's um, line is four words are really equity is a practice. And these are step 10. We continue to reflect on our evolving allegiances and behaviors and their impact on others. And when we are wrong or complacent, promptly admit it and make amends. Step 11, we promote and participate in communal reparations, defense, solidarity and construction efforts on behalf of those historically disadvantaged or marginalized by structures and systems that advantage or privilege others. Step 12, having begun a journey of truth and transformation, we seek to reimagine possibilities for how we relate to one another and to invite others into the practice of equity in all that we do. Mm. And then seven, eight, and nine, um, as written for the historically marginalized, uh, step seven, we reach for healing from overexposure to systemic, structural, or behavioral hostility while holding ourselves accountable to others seeking healing while learning how to accept only equity in our dealings with others. Step eight, we make a list of persons who are currently harming us materially, economically, physically, psychologically, spiritually, and or structural impediments to equity we encounter regularly. And we commit to either improving those realities or eliminating them at the earliest possible convenience. Step nine, we seek to eliminate or improve hostile or harmful dynamics wherever possible. The only exception being when to do so would somehow injure others or ourselves. And we solicit aid to remove when possible, or if not to overcome the structural impediments wherever encountered. Thank you, Joe. That's a lot in there. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes you just think, um, I, I guess just saying out loud that this is a dilemma. Joe and I, we've talked about this a lot. I, I think I just want to say it now that this dilemma of um, we need each other. And then there are these spaces where we need to do our own work. 
Mm-hmm. But then what does it mean? And then what does that feel like? And some of that is a dilemma. And I know we felt it. So yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, like I've bebopped into the group a couple of times and just like, because it's predominantly white, just being like, I don't know how I fit here. <laughs> and, but I'm also so glad it's happening. And I'm so grateful that my community is having these conversations. But as one of one of the only, especially black descendants at the refuge, um, I, um, yeah, it's just, I'm like, in some of these, I'm like, I'm so glad this is happening. And like, I want to participate, but it doesn't really feel like it's for me. And so it's just, it is complicated. And, and one of those examples is that this group took a trip to Montgomery. Uh, this when was in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really wanted to go and, you know, they were even gonna like sponsor anyone who was a person of color to be able to go. And, um, and I was really hoping to go, but I just realized in that moment of like being the only person who was a descendant of enslaved people and it would have just been too hard and, um, and not necessarily because of my friends, but just the situation <laughs> and like with my friends grappling with this history and me grappling with this history, but then also just like being part of the history my friends are grappling with, like physically, <laughs> like it was just like, I just can't, I can't, I don't have the margin and I'm hoping to go someday. And, um, I, but you know, in February, I was like, you know, it's just, it's not going to work this time around. And it's super sad, but I think that's part of it too, is just being honest with where we are in the work and what we can particularly like hold in a moment and in this work and um but it's complicated so just yeah I think it's just important to name that this isn't easy and that um but at the same and not but and I'm so glad that it's happening I'm so glad that my friends got to go and and have that experience and like really see things in a different way and wrestle with with questions together and the working out of that in our community and and flowing out into justice in bigger ways but yeah I'd love to hear from both of y'all how that how that was for you that trip and yeah thank you for saying that Joe um I just I have so much respect for how you process that decision and um and it one thought that has come to me recently after, um, <laughs> because just a reminder, this is take two on this conversation. I think one of the practices that we have in the group is kind of like learning to dance and you have to isolate um, before you add in the arms, you really have to have the steps down and do it without looking at your feet and without co- counting. And so that's not a perfect analogy, but one way of looking at this space for doing um, the work in closed behind closed doors, so that when we try to add in the arms, we don't just completely trip and forget everything we learned. It has to get into muscle memory because it's so embodied. And so that's my. segue to what you just asked about what my favorite thing about the trip to Montgomery was that we did check-ins at least four times a day, four or five times a day 
after seeing something really hard or kind of being immersed in a challenging um, exhibit or history, we um, we ate food in black owned restaurants and traditional soul food. And it was like in our bodies and healing and rejoicing and breathing and grounding and shaking it out and processing. So that was, that was definitely one of my favorite takeaways from how I experienced that immersive learning trip. Yeah. And it makes me think, you know, it all fits into the refuge um, ethos that we talk a lot about. And we've been hearing a lot about on Be a Refuge is that it was shared. And so I had gone with my multi-faith group and and some of what you named, Joe, was really present in that moment, too. You know, it's a really fat. You know, this is part of the problem is that we have these predominantly white spaces. We're not together. And so when I went with my multi-faith group, it was great. And I got a lot out of it. There were 20 of us that went. Um, but I remember the mayor of Montgomery who was the first black mayor of Montgomery came and shared with our group. And said one of the things that would is what can you know what are some things we can do and one was is encourage people to come here and learn. Encourage people because we want we want to be careful we have this about missiony things and you know I think you've called it trauma tourism Mary which is a really important thing to say out loud because it there's a piece that's weird. Yeah. Um, but that really stuck with me is that we don't know our history and we, and having it in our head and having it in our bodies and like the whole story, which the equal justice initiative does an incredible job in telling from slavery, um, from, uh, the beginning of the international slave trade to mass incarceration today. And so the part though, that I think the shared experience was everyone contributed. So everyone did a con contemplative reflection. Everybody did an embodied practice. Everybody kind of like contributed to it and it helped sustain us. And it makes me think related to the 12 step group, that that's a piece of it too. Like everyone having a place to come and mm -hmm. share and be and kind of stumble and bumble with the feelings and to know that there is value in just saying what we're wrestling with but not stopping there because that's a part of it too like and this people say this about 12-step recovery all the time like oh you guys just sit around there and talk about the same thing over and over again I'm like that's not how it is mm -hmm. it actually is a space to do it so that we can live out a different thing Mm -hmm. um, but it is uh, messy and I think the trip is just accentuated and kind of one of my dreams is to take some of our kids there our older kids there to experience that before they launch into the world because it's just a history that we don't um, enter into so um, and I hope for the day when the time is right that that can happen Joe and that you um, feel our full support and that we we uh, name how complicated it is even to be there. Um, and, and even when we're sitting in the group, because recognizing we don't ever want to be an echo chamber, we really need each other. But it's complicated. It is. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. It's 
very uncomfortable. Well, and even just like when you were just talking, Kathy, you said like a group where everyone can come. And I'm like, but I can't come. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, there's a, and it's just honoring the grief of that, that there's just complicated spaces, but that there's value in a space where my white friends can go and like talk. Of course, my dog grabs his squeaky toy. Can you hear that? he's sensing the tension and he's like diffusing the he always I usually hide it when we record the podcast um but uh yeah so I just yeah that it's complicated but it's also worth it it's worth the work and it's worth like wrestling through and I'm so grateful I have friends that we could just pause and like try again and we even just give ourselves the space that like if this one didn't go well then we don't publish this one you know <laughs> like that that you know, and to give each other the grace in this. And I think that in, you know, that's kind of one of the the griefs that I have around um, the movement around anti-racism and, and some social justice activism is there's a lot of ungrace sometimes for each other. And so just to like, how can we care for ourselves and tenderly and be like, I can't do that. I can't this is too hard for me to show up in this space as a person of color, but also have grace and like have grace for each other, have grace for ourselves because it's a process and we're like learning together. And um, yeah, so I'm grateful, even though it's complicated. <laughs> That's what we're going to say every time. And it's yeah. so true. It's so true. And I'm just wondering, Mary, you know, kind of as we kind of transition towards like what it's been like for you to be in the group and um you know just kind of what's formed you and here we are we're at three years now basically they're coming on the end of three three years almost and like what's what's it been like um I two two things come to mind one is Melvin's work with the 12 steps is a frame and the group is kind of a container where because of conversations with my kids, even before 2020 and the um, shift in momentum post George Floyd, even before that we were having a lot of conversations, but there wasn't a framework or a container for it. And, And I think that is a huge that's a huge piece for me personally um, to shift energy from call out culture and cancel culture to um, embracing humility and awkwardness and um, courageous spaces and knowing that it is ongoing. You, the 12 step framework is implicit that you don't get done. There's never a place of arrival or enlightenment or, oh, lucky I don't have to work on that anymore. It's ongoing. It's just ongoing. So that's um, one. I said there were two things and I can't think of what the second one was now, but just yeah. that container and framework has been huge for me. Um, I think the second thing is it's just, I've done, like, I took a class at, I work at CU and I took a class. And so the, this is like part B of that same thing that I just said. 
the container and the framework for how to process some of the things that I've been learning in other spaces has been really, really cool. And to share that humility with each other and to honor that everybody's in a different place with it. Um, oh, I know what the other thing I was going to say is when, when we went to Montgomery, there is a much higher population of people of color. And we intentionally went to Black-owned restaurants and um, all of the docents and people that were in the different museums we were in were there on purpose and they were working because they chose to work there and so much experience of grace and hospitality that we received as kind of these fragile white people crying sometimes and feeling really so many big feelings about discovering a really, really, really horrible past. Their generosity and their grace was had a huge impact on me um, because I acknowledge not every person of color intentionally puts themselves in a position of taking care of white folks that are reckoning with all of this and teaching white folks what is not cool and all of that stuff. So um, my appreciation for that, but not generalizing that as if everybody is there to instruct white people about our complicated past. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's there's a calling. Some people have that calling and have capacity or feel a calling enough to, you know, grit and bear through the hard things, you know. Um, and so I think just being grateful for folks who can and and honoring folks who it's just like I I just can't do it anymore. So um yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So thanks for sharing that, Mary. Yeah, and the one quick thing I just want to say about Melvin's 12 Steps is that he's a partner to us from afar, and he's come now four times, and he actually joined in in um, Montgomery um, for the last day and a half and did some recording of some of the people in the group, and that sense of just we are a group that is practicing this, um, and there are there are some other groups. Um, he's actually part of a group of Black men who are using the steps related to patriarchy. Um, and our hope is always that more people will consider it. Some people have done workshops and have been exposed to the steps, but the Refuge's long-term group is actually the only group like this in this exact way. And the part that I just want to say for me is that uh, reading all the books is super helpful. Having important conversations, so important. But there is something, that's why I love recovery. There is something about showing up and putting my butt in the chair mm -hmm. and being honest with my real feelings for my unique experience as a white privileged woman. I'm married to um, an immigrant from El Salvador. Our kid, you know, like our unique situation, but just like having a safe place among friends to um, do it 
and then not just have it be about that, but have it be then expanding into the other wider spaces. And thank you, Joe, for just this reminder, like how weird it is, you know, that we are like over here and we don't want to be over here and not be talking and processing and connecting on the things that we're all learning and that different people are learning and other experiences. Like there's not, we don't have the market cornered on anything. It just happens to be our group. And um, I just hope more people consider this format, I guess. And we'll help you. So if you're listening to this, yeah. you're like, that sounds amazing. It's an open group, right? So someone could come, just come and listen and learn first and then take it to your community. Like this would be amazing if there were 12 steps for anti-racism groups all over the country. That would be awesome. So um, it, but it's hard work and it's, it's brave work. Um, so thanks brave friends. <laughs> mm, thank you, brave friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've got a rapid fire questions. Mary, are you ready? <laughs> For the, I always say it, ready or not. Here it comes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is one word that best describes the refuge for you? Evolving. Mm. Mm. Love it. Um, finish the sentence. I keep connecting with the refuge community because um, lots of surprises. It's <laughs> very <Never boring>. yes, <laughs> never boring. Um, the most irritating part of the refuge is oh gosh, yeah. The this this isn't irritating. It's just kind of a sad thing, but I live a, a long way away. I live in Littleton and the refuge is in Broomfield. So, and I don't love driving everywhere all the time. Yeah. I feel you. Every time I push the gas pedal, I feel the planet cry. <laughs> I know you're like that too, Mary. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed that way too. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> this is both of you and you live so long ways away. Yeah. So of you. All right, last one. Being part of the refuge has helped me. Oh gosh, so many ways. Um develop develop a lot of um my voice and my confidence and just clarity and things that I want that I really want to engage with. Awesome. All right, so our closing round is we're leaving today with a little bit more or a little bit less of blank. Love, more love, not less love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> Kathy? Um, I think I'm leaving. I mean, I feel like I say the same thing every time, but I am leaving with a deep gratitude mm -hmm. for the ability to re-record. Mm. this conversation um and just a little of um resolve that this is the road to keep walking on mm. together like resolve like this is where this is where we need to keep walking yeah yeah I, I that's something that was in my head too I said this to Mary in a text like we make the path by walking I don't know where I heard that some poem somewhere but this is it this is the work is doing the work <laughs> and practicing. And so I am feeling grateful that I have friends to practice with and mm -hmm. that we were able to, to slow down 
and just make this path by walking it um, today in a mm. small way. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for listening, everybody. We're so glad that you're listening to Be a Refuge. And I hope that these stories help us keep learning and practicing and dreaming together. And I just got this really strong sense in this closing. We should read the equity prayer that we now read at the end. And this is new. I'm not positive mm -hmm. you've heard this show. Mm -mm. And um, Melvin read this in our closing. We did some interactive stuff in, um, and then now it, in said, please use it. Um, and so we've been using it in the group. And um, I have a sense, I can I just, I know this is kind of weird on a recording, but can I just text it to you? So maybe we could read um, sure. the lines together. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to quick send this to these guys. And this is, this is like a piece of Via Refuge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In the moment. I've got, it. I've got it pulled up, Kathy. Oh, you do? Okay. Okay. So um let me do this. But I'm not as quick at sending stuff. And then I'm of course can't find anything in this moment. That's just all part of it. Um okay. So Joe, you should have gotten it. Did it come in? Um, it will. I have mint mobile, so sometimes <laughs> it takes a little longer to bounce up to space and back down. Thanks, Ryan Reynolds. Um, got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God. Okay. I um I'll start. Um, and this is um adapted. Um, this is Melvin Bray, adapted by the author of the original Serenity Prayer, um, Reinhold Niebler. Niebler. And um Angela Davis. Hmm. May we have the strength and courage to no longer accept the things we cannot change, but rather to change the things we cannot accept and the wisdom to know why. Living one day at a time, enjoying each moment at a time, remaining committed to liberation as both the path and the goal, seeing the world as it is, not as I want to believe that it is. Trusting that we can make things better if we practice equity in all our affairs so that we, our neighbors, our descendants, and people we don't know may enjoy the fullness of beloved community forever and ever. I'll say amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Be a Refuge. For more on The Refuge, go to therefugeonline.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. May we all keep finding ways to be a refuge for others and embody healing in this wild world.